The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. You're listening to Wins Above Fantasy, part of the Pitcherless Podcast Network with Van Burnett, and Steve Giswelli. Welcome back, everybody. It is Wins Above Fantasy, episode 76. It's October 6th, which means it is the end of the regular season. And Steve, that means it is time for us to officially do our chalkboard review. If you guys aren't familiar, it's our flag plant targets and fades for the entire season. Super excited to get into it, even though I might have less reason for excitement than you, Steve. We got a ton of stuff to talk through. We got a great listener question that fits in nicely with our topic. Also going to take a brief glimpse at the playoff picture. Just talk baseball, Steve. A lot of excitement this time of year, Uh, you know, outside of fantasy, maybe, but certainly part of fall and the magic is in the air, man. Uh, I'm certainly pumped. I'm getting ready to go to the Cardinals uh, wild card game on Saturday against the Phils. Talk to me, man. How we doing out there? It's good, man. It's always a bittersweet time, but it's it's nice to reflect back and look at how you finish and take a, a, a you know look at the big picture really before we start to get into the what went wrong with our process and and quickly look at next year and start to break down players. I know we'll get into that probably a lot sooner than we think. We we talked about it on recent shows, but. It, it, you know, it's a, it's a fun it's a fun few weeks where the playoffs start up and there's some really good baseball uh, and baseball kind of comes back into the mainstream, right? Because, you know, the playoffs are just a different animal with that and as far as, like, popularity, you know, the August baseball isn't that popular amongst, you know, your, your casual fans, but now you know, it's, it's a time to talk about it and us being the fantasy nerds we are, you know, like, we could say, hey, like, this guy Spencer Strider pitching for the Braves is really good. Like, look out for him, you know, because we we were in tune with it all year. So it, it's a fun type of time of year. Um, I'm glad we do this. The second year we'll be like looking back at this. It's a nice reflection point. Uh, like I said before, starting to dig into next year. So uh, excited for it. I think it's a, a a great time to look back and sort of recap. I know I was just looking at where I finished in all the leagues. Like you, you, you talk about it all year and then it finally gets here. It's, it's a, it's a weird feeling. It is a weird feeling. And you got to uh, try to make sense of, you know, process what you did well, what you should improve on, what things might've just been dumb luck. And, uh, you know, try to most importantly, 
kind of save it to the hard drive, right? So that we continue to improve ourselves as managers of this game we like to play year over year. And for us, Steve, I know we were joking about it last show, but I think our, our mock draft was October 28th. So it's hilarious to think that, you know, programming note, we'll probably have a couple weeks off and then move to an every other week up through basically Super Bowl Sunday. But we're going to have like one more show after this before we probably can start talking like sure. mock drafts and everything. So, I mean, there's certainly a refresh moment that comes with looking ahead, even though you're kind of uh, getting into the depths of the whole winter is coming thing. But yeah, I- I'm with you. There's some nostalgia and playoffs make it, you know, it's kind of a nice exhale and you can truly uh-huh. enjoy the the sport you're- for what it is. And like, it's it's right what you said, man. Like, you know, I- we get so caught up. I'm so much more dialed into uh-huh. fantasy, to be totally honest, than I am. For sure. You know, baseball is a, is a sport, and I, of course, I follow it. And you can you got a pulse on kind of what teams are hot and all that stuff. Trade deadline kind of brings it up to the the bigger picture, but then playoffs is when you truly get to like watch these guys. Mm-hmm. Everyone's leaving it all out there. The bullpens, the base running, like it's just it, it's magic, man. It really is. I, I know it's different for you since you're like a diehard Cardinal fan. Me, I sort of became a fan of my baseball team. I still, you know. I have a soft spot for the Mets and even for the Yankees too. I was a diehard Yankee fan growing up. Uh, I know a lot of people are going to cringe when they hear me say that, but (laughs) I, I, during the regular season, like I don't watch other than like when a pitcher's pitching, I'll watch those innings. And, and, but other than that, like I'm flipping around to see what, what pitchers I have going. Yeah. You're cherry picking. I'm not sitting there. Yeah. yeah, I'm not watching a baseball game from start to finish as crazy as that is. Uh, you know, if, if my pitcher gets out of the game, I, I start to flip around and look for at-bats, things like that. So it's nice to watch, you know, and the playoffs is just a different level and it's just such a, you know, the teams are just so good and the games are always so good that it's going to be nice to sit down and just watch these games uh, as they unfold. I know it's a little tougher for you as a Cardinal fan, you know, you're going to be sweating those out. Those are always stressful, but it's still nice to look at it through without a fantasy lens for for once baseball that is yeah for sure and i mean you know on one hand i would say you know from a on paper standpoint i i don't really imagine that the the cardinals have the firepower that you know six or seven other teams in the race uh have especially on the the pitching side but then on the other hand there's always kind of that anything can happen feeling and vibe and it's like uh mm-hmm. you know you can't count them out you got to believe a little bit so uh, i i am very pumped Me, myself my brother and uh, uh joe gamba who's a friend of the pod and always kind of tweeting at us we're we're going to the uh saturday night game cardinals nice. phillies so keeping a little extra eye there if uh mr albert pujols uh continues the magic as well so let's just count how many times they say magic this episode steve aaron judge 62 <laughs> Uh, how is that out in your neck of the woods? Uh, I mean, I'm doing a little trolling over here. You know, I, 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 I'm retweeting all the funny Razzball tweets from Gray. The, the uh, Bonds. The yeah, bonds you know, c- congrats on being 11 home runs behind Barry Bonds, you know. Uh, yeah. It's great. Uh, con- you know, who who cared about the NL record when Sosa was breaking it and McGuire were breaking it? Like, you never heard that now. It's kind of... I, I think it's a big deal. I think 61 is a big number because for the Yankees and historically, um, that, mm-hmm. you know, 
that number, specifically for the Yankees, is, is a big deal. I, I, I'm afraid that the AL leader is sort of a backhanded way. It is totally, to, to d- disparage the the steroid era guys and say that they're not uh, as good. Which I not not as good, but to tarnish those 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 numbers. So I'm against that. I you know the I, 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 those Barry Bonds is the single season home run leader. Period. End of story for me. So. Uh, and any way to sort of disparage that I'm against, but uh, it's still an amazing accomplishment, and I think the fact that he's 62 should be celebrated. I'm just having a little fun razzing people with it. Yeah, no, I I, I hear you. I mean, that's a you know we could spend a whole another show talking absolutely. about that. Yeah, absolutely. But it, it's uh, it's been cool between that uh, Pujols, Otani, um, you know ev- everything that's that's going on with the majors this year is just like we've been saying in the past few episodes it just feels like there's yes, Dodgers a have lot. like 111 wins and like they're like the fourth most interesting story yeah that is wild so yeah. should be great great playoffs ahead we'll hit on it but Steve uh let's let's get into kind of the meat and potatoes here and it was kind of uh serendipitous that we got a, a question from Pitchless Plus member Little Piranha, who also is a friend of the show and kind of written in multiple times. And it was a great question for today's topic where we talk about the chalkboard because you and I have been doing the chalkboard for, you know, both seasons that we've done the podcast. And like I said, this is where we kind of plant our flag at the beginning of the season. We say, here are four guys we think are going to finish 20% ahead of their draft position and then 20% behind it. And it's kind of our, you know, tongue-in-cheek way of keeping a scoreboard for accountability for the season, for our calls. But Little Piranha comes in with a a really appropriate question that applies to the pod, which is uh, kind of verbatim here. Question for a future podcast. We've kind of discussed it in the past, but never discussed it too much. How do you make sure you are evaluating your process instead of your results? For example, I ended up this year with Class A, Rizzo and Hap, but I had Rysel Iglesias, Joey Votto, and Dylan Carlson as equivalent on my draft board. So how do I know if my process was actually good when the success rate of a tier is 50-50? Even when you're talking about Santander, which was our topic last week, he said, I had him the same as Max Kepler. In some leagues, I got one, and some I got the other, and it wasn't by choice. It was because my league mates made the decision for me. So that raises a very good question. You had a nice response in the Discord. But, Steve, why don't you uh, shed a little perspective on this fascinating topic of evaluating process instead of results? Yeah, this was, like, eye-opening for me, man. And it's just such a good point because you could have a good team and it might sort of be by chance. You know, if you have tiers that are 50-50, is that good? I would say no. You want to create tiers that are like 60-40 or 70-30 where if you do get sniped and you go down to your next list, the next guy on the list, you're you're still selecting a good player. And I think another thing for that is, you know, if you do I think you need to get granular within those tiers. I know we do like to tier players, but if you have one ranked above the other, and you think there's a significant reason 
pivot to somewhere else, you know, just because you were targeting a first baseman and Rizzo just went, you know, you don't have to take Joey Vada. You could wait and say, okay, I'm going to, you know, hold here and go with, uh, you know, my or middle infielder. Rather, yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, right, right, right. And then go bump, bump down a tier. But that's easier said than done. And I just think that we want to create those as as softly you want to have a soft landing no matter what so you want to be able to create a, you know a 60 40 tier a 70 30 tier rather than leaving it to a coin flip right because mm-hmm. it, it's it's it, it's so hard to do but i i think that if you get granular with your analysis and and look at you know that's where tiebreakers come in with advanced stats and, and and the metrics that we talk about all year long and the process that we're going to do all season like it, it, it's just so important to look at that and then also i think bump your guys right like in my home league i you know dylan cease everyone knew i loved dylan cease i didn't get him but i probably should have reached because you know in my mind oh i can't take a picture of this early blah, blah blah i probably should have bumped him to the fourth or fifth round it still would have been a value i still would have got that guy i knew my process was you know i believe fully in that process i would have ended up you know with you know a dylan c share instead of a jack flaherty share right for someone mm-hmm. like i i i wouldn't have made that mistake so i think if you if you truly believe in a guy you could bump that up there to sort of avoid that downfall and then sort of get granular and try to you know make those tiers as strong as possible so even when you do have to make a decision that you you know a league make makes a decision for you in a draft you're still making a good one no matter what you know who goes first yeah i i think on top of that i mean th- this kind of dovetails into a topic my home league mates have talked about for probably 15 years we kind of look at the pie chart and we say of three variables how you draft, how you manage in season, and how lucky you get. Mm-hmm. Where mm-hmm. does the percentage break out yeah. on those? And we've had so many different answers. I know, Steve, you even mentioned, like, I think, you know, the the management is the biggest slice. And I think I agree with that. Absolutely. It, I also understand, you know, in like a 21-player draft or 21 rounds, there's a lot of times where your your final roster will only have like six six players at the end of the season if you're kind of rotating and trying to be active on the wire and everything then luck is the one that that really comes in to be totally honest on some of these topics because to little piranha's point you know santander and max kepler you know one of them turns out to be an absolute shooting star he's going to be probably an undervalued steal next year's draft and prioritize and the other one got injured and got unlucky and his his underlying stats still looked solid so yeah you know i think you got to be careful not to beat yourself up too much it, and it's almost in terms of evaluating your process what i would say is we all have that gut feeling after a draft because that's really what we're talking about here for the most part when he's like my my league mates wouldn't let me you're talking about cease we're talking about the draft for this topic right now when you're three days away from your draft and you look back at your draft you have a gut feeling in your stomach and it was either I crushed that or man, I either messed up roster construction mm-hmm. or I grabbed this guy and I really shouldn't, or I waited too long on Dylan Cease. So I would almost encourage you to just like hold on to that feeling 
because beyond that, of course, you're going to have in-season management. But there are some things that, like, you know, we'll talk about, spoiler alert, one of my chalkboard guys, Joey Votto. And, and you know, he's mentioned in Little Piranha's question here, so many people in the industry were very excited about Votto. And it, we thought it might be more, you know, if it was bad, we didn't think it would look this bad. And some of that stuff is just like, you know, when when the stat cast data is there, when there are tangible swing changes to point to, like, how can you knock that process that much? Um, and, and sometimes you just kind of strike gold. Other times you don't. And it's it's you know, that's why that's why it's a game. It's there's part of the unknowns there. So I don't even know how I would land on that pie chart, Steve. But I do think that to his question, there's there's a little bit of that uh, luck factor that plays in. And you just got to try to assess it and yeah. see if you would change anything differently. Yeah, and, and you're right. You can't be too hard on it, like, right? Like, how different did Max Kepler and Anthony Santander, like, if you put up their stack cast sliders blindly, you're not going to really be able to tell the difference preseason. Like, it's, it's just kind of luck. Class A, yes, okay, he was probably one of the best relievers, if not the best reliever this year, but, like, who would have thought that the Angels would have been such a dumpster fire after a hot start and, you know, he's traded to a team where he doesn't get saves, right? Like, that's mm-hmm. just bad luck. That's not bad process. So I think a key point of this is, too, you have to distinguish between what's bad process and bad luck. Like, there's not much bad process in what he did in his specific examples, right? Um Sure, there's bad luck, but, like, you know, you, you don't want to be too hard. You want to be hard on yourself if it's if you create a 50-50 tier where, you know, half the guys were just bad, right, with, with, with fully healthy seasons, which probably isn't going to be the case if you're, you know, listening to Fantasy Baseball Podcasts and in tune as, as all of us are. So uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good point, too. Okay, well, I think it's a perfect segue because, like we said, we'll, we'll kind of keep an eye throughout this entire episode of kind of process versus, um, you know, maybe there was kind of a flaw in the logic or, you know, we just talked about lessons learned a couple shows ago, Steve, and I think some of these will probably factor into that um, or some of those lessons, but let's jump in and we'll kind of go back and forth. I think we got an intro just by by me saying, Steve, boy, is the shoe on the other foot this season. Because last year I felt like I was hitting this chalkboard. Uh, this year I, I want to hide from this entire episode, man. Like, if you want to host, you can take it away. Uh, I mean, yeah, I had a lot of these hits. But, you know, I thought my year was okay overall. Um, you know, I know we, we, we judge it. Uh, my, my The main thing that I'm going to look at is my home league and – my hitting absolutely stunk in that league. Sure, my my pitching was good, but uh, I, I was horrible. Like twelve out of fourteen, or you know, eleven out of fourteen in hitting. Which for a guy that fades early pitching and takes all these hitters, like this is a that's a bad year for me essentially. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I wanted to go. You know, I took a different approach than going less bold predictions just my guy sort of thing and it, it overall worked but i think there's a theme that you'll see the the hitters that i that i have here uh, are, are are kind of bad this this process summed up how i did uh kind of across all leagues probably you know uh, and then on the wire league i lucked into judge in the second round so 
that that carried me there for sure and, and just to, to get back on the topic reiterate so this is the chalkboard steve and i each do four targets four fades and we basically do their adp at the time we record the show which i think this year was like you know very end of march mm-hmm. and then we say these people are either going to finish the season on five by five rankings for this show we did yahoo five by five league ranks and it is either 20 percent higher than their adp or 20 percent lower for the targets versus their adp so Steve, without further ado, we'll do a little back and forth here, and we'll start out with your first target, resident expert of the uh, pitching uh, bargain bin. Talk to me about the first target that was a hit. Yeah, uh, I don't know if he was a bargain bin. You know, he was still being drafted as like an SP2, but SP2, SP3, but Dylan Cease was, you know, uh, I saw Michael Simeone, SP streamer, retweeted a tweet today from like, April 9th, so probably Cease's first or second start, probably his first start, that it, it was, you know, uh, a tongue-in-cheek. Cease is going to be a top-five pitcher this year, right? And then he retweeted it today, and, you know, he was. Uh, so it, it went pretty well for, for Dylan Cease. I mean, everything clipped, clicked, even with the walk rate going up. His walk rate was bumped from 9.6% to 10.4%, so not huge, but still went up. That was kind of the knock on him. Um but everything else just was absolutely insane. He completely limited like any hard contact allowed, the top percentile in the league in, in all those metrics, 93rd in hard hit percentage, 96th in XBA, 93rd in X slug, um, you know, and pair that with his elite, elite slider, which is arguably the best slider in the game that he now throws as his primary pitch. Like, that's what you love to see. You want to see him go from 30% slider usage to 43% slider usage this year. Um, and that's now his primary pitch, and it's that good. That, that That's what that's going to do. That's why we talk about these pitch mix changers as sort of the number one thing we want to target. That's what Cease did, and that's what led to this breakout. And It was more than what I could have hoped for. I was hoping that he was uh, you know, a top you know, an SP2, SP1. Uh, my bold prediction was that he was an, uh, t- finishes uh, as a top five pitcher, and I think that will be one that will will hit. Uh, I think I'm dependent on where Nick ranks him in his final list, so uh, <laughs> I better get on him that he actually ranks him as a top five SP, but uh, we'll see. Yeah, I actually listened to our chalkboard uh, show today just to get back in the spirit, and it, it was hilarious. You brought up the same thing, that like a little extra skin in the game is going against the, the godfather here with uh, Nick Pollock. Wasn't huge on, on Dylan Cease coming in, so you know we got to take a, a small victory lap, uh, Steve, that you... You pulled that one off. I mean, it's you know not a bargain bin, but for an SP1, definitely... Uh, you, you got you happy. got value. You got value basically For no sure. matter where you took him. Yeah. For sure. So Cease, which was uh, ADP of 79. So he needed to eclipse 63 in the 5x5 five five ranks and finishes out at 26 overall, uh, which is uh, a tremendous call, Steve. Hats off. Uh, last year, a 3.91 ERA. Uh, did have the 226 strikeouts, but a 125 whip. This year, adds 20 innings onto that. 
drops the ERA from 391 down to 220 and drops the whip from 125 down to 111, which is insane when you consider his walk rate actually yeah, not so up. Basically just stopped giving up hits, yeah. Just stopped giving up hits. Um, and, yeah, I mean, some of the points, really good points you brought up at the start of the season, too, is that the curveball was so successful for him last year, and we kind of thought that was the path forward, mm-hmm. but he didn't throw the curveball more, and he the actually same. just completely ramped up the slider, like you mentioned. Yeah. The and slider, it's like, if that's what's working, I'll, man. I've never seen this. I don't know if I've seen it. It has a negative 36 run value. Like on Savant, it, like, you know, how they have, like, the, the wow. red for, you know, how good it is for a hard hit and... and I've never seen a red that dark, you know, except for like, like, you know, judges and Jordan Alvarez's slider page and the Soto slider page. I've never seen a, a run. I don't know if I've seen a run value that, that higher. I got to look at it. No, that that's, that's crazy. 128 batting average against 209 slug, 43% whiff percentage, 37%, uh, 38% strikeout rate. And, you know, run value is a cumulative stat. So, the fact that he threw that 43% of the time, that's what's going to lead to that extreme, extreme um, you know, negative value there. Negative being good in this case for, for run value for uh, his slider. So amazing stuff from Cease. Yeah, and I'm not sure going through the list here that there's a starting pitcher that threw his slider more. Uh, this Ma- season, maybe Otani in like the second half. I know he... I think there was an article uh, by uh, second uh, half okay. on, on Fangraphs yeah. that he started to throw it as much or or, or more than Dylan Cease, because or well, maybe Cease on, was on, only the the one the only one that had it more. But on, um, yeah, on the yeah. season, Otani is thirty eight point nine percent, and on the season, Dylan Cease is forty two point nine. So yeah. he's he's got it. Kershaw's right behind him, but yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yep. he those found, were the three. Those were the three. Pass. Yep. Yep. So you're going to be too rich for your blood next season? Steve? Just... I, I, I don't know. I need to rethink. Like, I'm clearly pretty good at identifying good starting pitchers, and I think that maybe instead of taking bad hitters in, in early rounds, like, you know, who cares if you spend a third-round pick or whatever on uh, on CC? He'll probably be more than that. It'll probably be a second-round pick. But Yeah, probably. Uh, I, I'll have to reconsider that. Well, I'm going to hold you to your lesson learned that you need yeah. stable, reliable bats early on, Steve. Less volatility. And then you know, hit up your, hit up your SPs kind of, in order of six, seven, eight round. Yeah. At least that's what was from the lesson. So. Yep. All for right. Sure. So uh, that. going yeah, over to bring you to my, to my draft. Hey, I'd be happy to draft season, man. It seems like it's a light year away. Uh, Joey Votto. We just talked about him. Uh, I'm gonna hold my nose here. ADP 142. He needed to get to 114. He got to 1,048 by the end of the season. He did miss some time there with the rotator cuff (laughs) surgery. So I ran on some of these guys who didn't get a full run, an average rank, and that helped Joey Votto out quite a bit, ranked 870. So, uh, yeah, huge apologies if the sole reason you drafted Joey Votto was because uh, he was my target. But what am I saying? You guys do your research as well. Yeah, it just wasn't Vado's season. We talked about it recently that, you know, the funny quote that uh, he was like, man, I just thought I stunk. And then I found out I was actually injured. Um, we know Vado's a character. I hope 
for his sake, for all the Votto lovers, that uh, that that is true, and he's still got something left in the tank. He did have a pretty good May and June where the OPS was mm-hmm. over 900, and we thought, kind of coming back from that COVID stint, that it was like a, a buy, a buy low, if you, if you will, but everything else was brutal. Just some wild year-to-year changes. His hard hit rate dropped 11.4%, which is drastic. His barrel rate dropped 6.1%. Also, just stuff you don't really see from an established hitter. And, yeah, finished uh, with a slash line at 205, 319, and a 370 slug after a year where he hit 36 homers in, like, 118 games or something. So, yeah, this is one that... I'm not going to beat myself up too much over the over the process. I think Votto, with the swing change last year or very late the season before, we saw just a resurgence from him. He's obviously super talented. All of his underlying stats and just, you know, I felt like there was a lot of ageism going on. Obviously, it all went the wrong direction. You know, maybe I think if there's a lesson learned across the board, we'll get into other guys is, you know, you do have to consider um, age is part of the equation. And I think I often kind of go toward, you know, the, the old man squad. And I'm quick to kind of say the, these guys still um, will perform, whether it's a Nelson Cruz, Vado, Like, it does fall off at some point. Whether or not age is the exact reason of it, it you know, it's, it doesn't help. So that's one kind of cautionary tale. But overall, I, I again, at that at that investment on draft day I don't think it's the worst shot to take because if Vado would have done what he had done last year I think that would have been kind of like a 60 pick discount on where he would have finished but 0 for 1 for me Steve and uh, I don't know if you got anything to add on, on Joey yeah Vada. we were kind of talking to talking about it off air before we got started in, in the context of a little piranha's question there like is it that big of a deal if you miss on Joey Votto at pick 142? You know, I mean, he was pretty brutal for, for a stretch, and, you know, he, you kind of drop him and move on after he goes back on the IL after that hot May and June. So, uh, you know, there's still a lot of season left at that point to, to find a valuable uh, fill-in there. So don't want to... You know, it's a good place to miss, sort of, essentially, that that you need to consider in your process, right? Like, take your risks here rather than, you know, uh, early on in the draft, which kind of was my downfall uh, hitting-wise this season. You know, it wasn't the—Joey Votto being on my home league team wasn't the issue. It was having— Tyler O'Neill, Wander Franco, and Jonathan India as my rounds three to f- five picks, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to consider that. Uh, and wouldn't it be so Joey Votto to come back for one more year and just have a great year next year after knowing that this shoulder w- was an issue? Because you're right, he did come back and he was using that new bat with with a different end mm-hmm. on it and then mm-hmm. like the hockey puck bat and then changed it and started to look good and i wonder if that lined up with when he got hurt and was his downfall next year so it'll be interesting to see i think he'll probably want to come back i don't think he'll want to go out on that note so no i don't uh, think so and i mean it should be so cheap that i think mm -hmm. it's a a really reasonable uh just kind of flyer so 
yeah, agree there. And in the spirit of tears, we were talking, Steve, on first base. We said we'd love to get a, a guy in the top five, and if we mm-hmm. don't, you can kind of duck out for a minute and come back in around, like, you know, Josh Bell, Joey Votto range, which is kind of where that was. So, yeah, mm-hmm. don't don't hate it, but certainly did not love the, the outcome there. So, uh, Steve, on to your next one. This one's a little bit tricky. We'll have to talk about even how we score some of these, but – uh, give us your next uh, hitter target here. Uh, someone I just mentioned, uh, Wander Franco. Uh, I was pretty much all in on him. Uh, grabbed him, I think, like I said, in the third round in, in my homing, home league. Um, and was kind of a, a, a league killer for me there. Um, I passed up on a lot, a lot of good hitters. I think uh, like Pete Alonzo. Um, which would have prevented me from, from getting Joey Votto that, down there too. So um, I, I remember watching Franco the first few weeks of the season. I think he had like he only had six home runs on the year. I think he had those five in 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 April uh, before blistering he got, start. Before yeah, he, got he was yeah. on fire. He was crushing the ball. You know, looked like this hard hit machine. Was having four hits a night. Was looking great. Then. You know this hamstring just sort of derailed his season even more so than the hamate bone injury that he missed probably more time on the IL, but he was clearly playing through something with, with that hamstring. And I know the the Rays said that the turf was an issue and they wanted to give him rest, but he's really going to have to figure that out because he signed that massive deal um, and is going to be there for a long, long time. So they'll have to figure out how to manage those hamstring issues on the turf. I'm, I'm, Wonder if he'll do, you know, this could be something that needs to be fixed in the offseason. And maybe there is a discount on Franco next year. But, you know, you still want, you wanted to see that power leap because if you wanted to nitpick with his season last year, it was still a poor power percentage. I know it got improved as the year went on and he started hitting for some more power. But it was basically the same this year. But it's going to be hard to tell, like, okay, how much of this is sort of what Franco is or how much of this was. Um, you know, uh, the the injury. I, I'm leaning more towards the injury, but you know, his hard hit percentage still was just 37 percent last year. It's down to 36 percent this year, um, mm-hmm. which is not great. But uh, I don't know. The eye test tells me that Franco will be okay if and when healthy. Yeah, uh, I mean, we talked about how in 21 he had a really low homer to fly ball rate but then like you mentioned it, it didn't look any better so i would have to imagine that there's this moves back a little bit maybe overall near like pick 65 75 i mean he's still kind of you know an 80 grade name and a lot of people will probably uh reach a little bit for franco because he looked so great out of the out of the gate this season but yeah it's a tough call man i mean when you talk about like, what do you think his homer steals upside is that you're looking for? Like, you know, near near the upper range of expected outcomes for him. I'm at like 2020, right? Like, okay. is, is that? Yeah, so the po- a little bit more of the power there, and then yeah. the averages in there too. He, he does. He did have, I, I think, eight steals this year uh, without being caught. So, considering battle hamstring injuries, that's that's a good sign. Uh, you know, I wonder if there's just sort of this Vladimir Guerrero tweak waiting to happen. I'm not saying that he's going to have like a 40 home run season like Vlad, but 
maybe that could be the the peak at tw- a 25 30 homer season especially in this new run environment who knows what the hell they'll do with the ball and what it's going to be like next year with humidors or whatever but mm-hmm. um it, it seems like it, it's one tweak away and hopefully keeping those hammies healthy uh, for, for Franco to become that first round player that, that he's capable of. So that maybe if there, there is a, even more of a discount this year, it could provide to be a good value. Yeah. Cause if he's a 15, 20 guy and you kind of cross your fingers for two ninety five, three hundred 300 average, which is higher than he's been, that still doesn't like it's it doesn't feel like a 50 overall pick so i think there's going to have to be a discount for me to be interested otherwise i think you're kind of paying paying for the name a little bit but uh we'll be talking about him all off season for sure um so that's that one's a a a rare miss for you this season steve man i'll rattle through this one fast too this one i was uh extremely excited about yasmani grandal thought it was uh a, a cheat code for catcher this year his ADP was 97, which was uh, part of the, the catcher tax in that top five group. Uh, he would have needed to be a top 78 guy. I was super excited from another kind of swing change end of last season. Uh, his last 100 at-bats in 21, he was batting like 337 with 1,000 OPS. Was feeling good, loved the strikeout rate, loved the walk rate. And it all fell apart for the White Sox and Yasmani Grandal. 1,235th on the rankings, which uh, isn't helping any of us who invested. Uh, a lot of it came down to how he performed against righties. Uh, the WRC Plus in 2021 was 105. 2022, the WRC Plus against righties was 40. So that was brutal. Uh the walk rate cut in half pretty much from 23 down to 12%, which is still solid, but that just shows how good Grandal could have been. Um, similar to Votto, the, the hard hit plummeted, the barrel rate plummeted. He batted 202 on the season, missed plenty of time, but uh, a 570 OPS compared to a 785 career mark. Here's my thing. Uh, I, I'm going to take a process knock on this one that with with everything that was around Grandal at that range, because I love that that spot in the draft. That is where a Shane McClanahan was going. Uh, even in some rooms, I know he's getting pushed up, but like early on in draft season, Justin Verlander was around that zone. Mm-hmm. We talked about it being kind of the honeypot for a handful of starting pitchers. So I knew that that was a good spot in the draft, and to really roll all the dice on kind of a injury riddled catcher um yeah i i think i i probably got a little bit too much exposure on grandal and paid too much attention to a small sample size um because it was obviously nowhere near how he he finished the last two months of uh 2021 so i had reasons and i was excited but the the cost there is much different than the than the joey Votto, like three or four rounds later so um that's that's Grandal. I mean, he has talked about how the struggles were largely related to his knee bothering him. He's got a whole off-season kind of training program already mapped out, and he's got super high hopes for 23. I do think, uh, price-dependent, this could be a really good option at catcher if you do mm-hmm. wait for a while because there's no risk of riding the catcher carousel like you do, Steve. And 
if it does go right for Grandal with his plate skills and the White Sox, everything went wrong for them, this could be a sneaky bounce back that could get, you know, 20, 25 home runs, uh, you know, the average, who knows, but hopefully lands around like 240, 235, somewhere in there, and hopefully some good counting stats with the White Sox. So if his ADP falls way back to like pick 200, I might be back in, but this was a, a big miss for the investment for sure. Uh, I was waiting to say, man, like this could be uh, a good co- a, a good target for next year just because we we know what Grundahl's upside is, and it basically couldn't get any worse. Like unless there's some massive injury and he has some sort of surgery that he'll be out for for a while, uh, I could see myself having some late Grundahl shares. Like I love shopping in that tier for bounce back catchers like to a lesser extent like Gary Sanchez kind of was that this year yeah. I know it wasn't great but he was definitely valuable in, in two catcher leagues at, at the very least I rostered him all year uh in a lot of two catcher leagues to you know no yeah complaints. and catchers that deep it's like yep you, you got to really make an argument for how they're even valuable so I think the argument will be easy for Grandal. it's mm-hmm. just a leap of faith that you're throwing 2022 mm-hmm. out completely so uh, let's focus back on a positive, Steve. You're on fire with the pitching this season. Uh, I think at this point you're almost resident expert um, on on this pitching <laughs> tier. We might need we might need to All brand right. it next year for the banter. But let's let's hear maybe the best pick of the chalkboard altogether. Uh, yeah, Shane McClanahan. Um basically was in love with him all off season. I, I think I went back and listened to that episode with Spore kind of, you know, was, it was nice to listen to with me saying like, you know, we like, I like Shane McClanahan, the best of all the Rays pitchers, blah, blah, blah. Like, you know, to, to, to have that under my belt is, is, is just as nice as many shares I have. I, it, whatever. It's nicer to have the shares, but I mean, that's a sport sort of sa- same. Yeah. yeah. Same, same thing with, with cease, right? Everything went right. Increased his strikeout rate, decreased his walk rate. Uh, the changeup and curve were absolutely unbelievable pitches for him. The slider was now his fourth pitch, which is kind of why I fell in love with him. So, so much. And because I thought that it was as good as ceases, but you know, he had these two other offerings that were just as good, if not better, I mean, better by by run value, probably because you know uh, it, it, the slider did get hit a little bit. It gave a 456 slug, um, but still had a, an amazing strikeout rate and whiff rate. But he only threw that 15 percent of the time, so that's not too big a deal. But you know, his fastball at 36 percent, changeup at 25 percent, curveball at 23 percent, that are all amazing strikeout pitches. Um, you, you know, this is like. From the left side, like a guy that could hit a hundred, like this is the, this is like the per, like this is what you build in a lab, like build me the perfect lefty, like this is McClanahan, you know, uh, this is it. Uh, the only concern is there was some shoulder issues, and he did sort of fade a little bit in the second half. You wonder how much that is September, that is fatigue, yeah. yeah. And even overall, his, his he didn't have those dominant starts like he did in the first half, basically since the All Star break. But I'm kind of hoping that that just might keep his price down a little bit if people look at that second half and worry about the the workload. It probably is more of a, a workload thing uh, as long as there's no like off season surgery or anything like that, and 
the velo is fine when we get the spring training. I, I'm hoping that maybe in you know at, at midseason McClanahan was going in the first round, right? I don't think he's going in the first round this year now uh, with this mm-hmm. quote unquote disappointing second half. So maybe there's even some room for value if he falls a little bit further than that second round, even if people are kind of worried about this. So uh, I'm not. Uh, I, I think I, I, I see these underlying numbers and these four amazing pitches that it's hard to poke, poke holes in any of the underlying numbers. So uh, as long as he's healthy, I'm all in again for 2022. Yeah, I mean, it, it, it. You know, this is almost the inverse of like the uh, Cody Bellinger phenomenon. When you're like, when you're that good, why would you tinker? And yet, like his year-to-year picks, pitch mix changes. It's just crazy that he ramped mm-hmm. that. He tripled the use on the on the changeup, and he cut the slider by more than fifty percent, uh, which was such a great pitch. Like you mentioned, I mean, yeah, this is. Uh, you know, th- this is an early second round guy. It feels like, and at age twenty five, with the Rays, it just seems like what could go wrong outside of injury. I mean, look no further. His pitching comp first one is, is Corbin Burns uh, on his page, which like, yeah, that's that's about right. Another guy who kind of uh, wobbled down the the home stretch of the season, but yeah, that'll it'll be great to watch what uh, what's going on in the playoffs, and um, we'll see what the the draft day uh, price is. I think, you know, if, if you're out on pitching early rounds, you're obviously not going to get McClanahan. Mm-hmm. You're going to be looking for the next McClanahan. But uh, absolute hats off, Steve. I think this was uh, the, the call of the offseason. ADP at the time we did this, it's crazy to even think. Pick 111. Uh, needed to breach uh, the top 89, and he finished 24th overall, and that's even with missing a little bit of time so mm-hmm. uh yeah phenomenal call there um let's jump over to my next target which was another miss uh but finally one that was respectable in my opinion is uh blake snell whose adp was 112 he needed to get to 89 overall and he did not finish out at 174 on the five by five rankings but he missed a month with the left adductor strain, and I think we saw good Blake Snell. I think part yeah. part of this is just how many great pitchers I, were around. I, I wouldn't him, you know? I wouldn't count this as a miss, even though by the numbers it was Snell was Snell was by very very good this year. Yeah, yeah, and I mean you know talk about like the past month, probably one of the uh, top two or three pitchers won a, won a lot of championships. Yes, absolutely. So final line, 128 innings, so a little less volume with that injury. But 171 Ks, a 338 ERA, a 120 WHIP. This is good Snell. And mm-hmm. what we were laughing about in the preseason when I when I had this chalkboard pick, Steve, was that uh, he might have hinted that the changeup was making a comeback, which is not a good pitch for Snell. <laughs> so we were screaming no on the podcast, and he did not uh, <laughs> lean into the changeup more. He stuck with the fastball slider combo that he found a ton of success with at the end of 21. And yeah, post All Star break, uh, 219 ERA, a 103 WHIP. This is absolutely a guy. You're not going to get him at 174 next year, that's for sure. And no. I think if if he's uh, you know floating around like pick 90 or this same range, I think that uh, this could be a really good one. I know we like 
some of the pitching coach moves that the Padres made, and Snell once again has found his form at the end of the season. So I think a lot, a lot of reason for excitement with Blake Snell. Yeah, I selfishly was like a few starts ago, like probably beginning of September, Snell's ERA, ERA was close to like four, and I was and he was pitching so well, and I was kind of like selfishly like. I hope it finishes like a high threes, you know, low fours ERA, so people are still out on Snell and not realize, you know, if you just quickly glance at the numbers, how good he's been because he's probably been one of the best pitchers in the second half, right? Uh, For there's sure. Not much, there's top ten at least, right? And, uh, mm-hmm. Not many have been better than him, so uh, I, I like it and – there's kind of a, a bias, I think, sort of against Snell, maybe because he does have these up and downs and does have the first half like he did the last two years and yeah has had some more injuries than others. Uh, breaks out that change up to everyone's, you know, uh, groan uh, over over the internet, over Twitter groan um, that he talks about that change up. So um, I think there's a, perpetually a discount on Snell that. I'll probably yeah, be he's very polarizing. Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah, so it's maybe there will be a, an extra discount there. Uh, throwing a dart, I, I feel like kind of pick seventy-five uh, to eighty-five, but maybe it'll be higher the way he's kind of finished out. And he's another one that, you know, his postseason performance might be uh, mm-hmm. uh, under a microscope here on the the wild card series against the Mets. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, We'll get to a couple more targets and fades as well, but first we're going to take a quick ad break and we'll be right back. Hey, Alex Fast here, and thanks for listening to this podcast on the Pitcher List Podcast Network. If you're a fan, consider supporting all of us by getting a PL Plus subscription where you're going to get an ad-free website and get access to our Discord where you can talk to all of our podcast hosts and staff. Plus, you can hang out with our incredible Pitcher List community. It's basically a baseball sanctuary year-round for as low as $8 a month. You can sign up at PitcherList.com backslash plus, and you're going to get your first month free with promo code podcast also don't forget to check out everything else we do as well from youtube videos live streams newsletters off-season articles tiktoks breakdowns over 15 baseball podcasts on our network we can't stop talking about baseball even during the off-season so sign up for pl plus today at pitcherlist.com backslash plus and use promo code podcast to get your first month free all right thanks for listening let's get back to the show Okay, so Steve, uh, you are two for three on the targets. Let's keep the good times rolling with mathematically probably the most impressive call of the show and one that, as you know, is near and dear to my heart. Uh, Take it away with the final target for you. Yeah, can we use your uh, league rankings for for this grade uh, if we we want to get even better? But yeah, Stephen Kwan, he was ADP 476. Need to get the 380. Finished 83rd uh, on uh, on Yahoo five by five rankings, and I mean, I, you know, we probably laid it out like what was the ideal scenario for Quan, and like this was kind of it. Uh, 299, 372, 399. So the slug not great, but everything else so good. That's still a 77 OPS and a 124 WRC plus. Um, I probably would have thought the the homer steals distribution would have been a little bit more even. He finished with six homers and 19 steals, but whatever. And still, you would hope that there would be some more power in there, but 
you know, looking under the hood, the hard hit and the barrel rate, and the 1.4% barrel percentage. But it doesn't really matter. That's just not the type of player that he is. Like, it's kind of why people didn't buy into Quan and, you know, the lack of power in the first place. But that's not who he is. Like, and he figured out something on the base pass because, you know, in the second half, I think he had like 12 of his 19 steals and wasn't really caught much. I know he got caught stealing a lot early. Uh, and he finished with 19 stolen bases and only five caught stealing. So something really clicked there, and you know maybe there's some room for improvement. And he, if if he's like a 30 steal guy with these this batting average skill uh, oh and on base skill, like look out, right? Like you won't care if he hits two homers if he's a 30 steal guy with uh, a 300 batting average, right? So. Um, yeah, uh, I think it kind of was just the ideal scenario for Quan. I mean, but talk about process. Like, I kind of dropped him after he got cold a little bit after that scorching hot start in April. So um, probably need to hold on to these sort of guys uh, and believe in my process for a little bit longer here uh, as a lesson learned going forward. Yeah, I think we've grown to uh, follow kind of the very basic analysis of just like, you know, uh, kind of K minus BB on the hitter side as well. And just like plate, plate discipline. And that's always something that we're looking at. And for a guy like Quan, who is striking out as rarely as he was, like there was that ridiculous run where he only had like one strikeout in all of the spring training or something. This is, this is one that you kind of knew the Babip had to like turn around eventually. And yeah, I mean, this is, as much of a specialist as you're going to find. So it'll be very interesting to see where he kind of falls when the dust settles for five by five leagues, because there's the, the power drought, but he feels like the perfect type of like combo pairing, you know, a, a Quan with, I don't know, like a Kyle Schwarber or something like that. But yeah, Steven, in, in my home league, just since you asked where we have, you know, some weird categories, singles, doubles, triples, in addition to, like, the standard ones. And then we dock for strikeouts and add for walks. He is ranked, you want to take a guess? Uh, eight. He's ranked 12th overall in that <laughs> league. So I, I, I probably will be keeping him in the uh, sixth round around pick 70. There you go. Uh, and just, you know, ride the – he's like a cleanser for your, your lineup with, uh-huh. with the, the way he plays. So – Phenomenal, phenomenal call on Quan and 476 doesn't even tell the whole story because I think that was just standard drafts and his actual ADP at the time, Steve, we were laughing, was like up in the 600s. So mm-hmm. we'll have to do a who is this year, Stephen Quan for sure. I might throw like a Michael Massey in on that. Ooh, but, you know, I like we'll, we'll that. See. I like that. I like that. Uh, my final uh, target, and we can't even spend that much time on this, but at the time, it was Blake Trinan. Uh, this is prior to um, the Dodgers signing Kimbrel. It was prior to yeah. the this, shoulder this is, injury. This is an NA. This is an NA. It's not. It's an NA. NA. Uh, yeah. I think the process learning is uh, don't put relievers on a chalkboard. There's, there's too much too much <laughs> volatility, go. and it goes there against go. our mantra yeah. anyway. So yeah. let's get into fades, Steve, and maybe I'll lead off because uh, it kind of goes. Yep. Do it. Uh, opposite of what I was just talking about with Stephen Kwan. And it was Randy Rosarena. And at the time, you had mentioned, Steve, that you were kind of, uh, of most of my fades, I would say this is the one that you were in lockstep with me the most. Mm-hmm. 
not to throw you under the bus there, but no, no, I was, I was. A Rosarena, we were just we were horrified of the the strikeout rate. You know the uh, all the the batted ball metrics under the hood were not looking good. I think uh, where you were hoping he was going to be a two sixty hitter, his XBA was like two twenty. And all of it together, we kind of said if the steals aren't there, this could quickly be like a 230 guy and not worth the ADP at pick uh, 68. I had him going outside of the top 82, and he finished 42 overall. And just, I mean, you got to tip your hat to a Rosarina. It's the second year in a row that he's Mm -hmm. had a frosty stat cast page and still kind of defies what we look at today as underlying metrics. Batted 263, uh, the the OPS around like 780, uh, 20 homers, 32 steals, and great counting stats with 72 runs, 90 RBI. Um, and th- did I flip that? That might be flipped. But yeah, the, the over 160 counting stats there. The XBA again, Steve, was 233. And like I said, you know, the sliders, they're all blue. It's it's a it's a head scratcher. I mean, he, he he sprays the ball pretty well, and he's lightning fast despite the high ground ball rate, which can kind of be a good combo. So it's just a it's a tough one. I mean, it, it's hard to say from a process standpoint that I'll be chomping at the bit for a Rosarena next year. But I think maybe there's we're starting to see enough of these guys. Adelise Garcia, a Rosarena. Prior to that, um, you know, Luis Robert although those guys have better batted ball metrics. I think, like, you know, maybe I'm docking the guys who have kind of that volatility and plate discipline a little too much, but what are your thoughts on a Rosarena? It's really tough to make sense of just how successful he is versus what conventional wisdom tells me to think of him. I think it's probably a blind spot for, like, people like us that are on Savant all day long that see these sort of metrics, um and shy away like you know i i would have been hesitant to hold on to or or add adelise garcia for these same reasons or even draft him after his you know fade in the second half and looking back at this like i'm gonna have a hard time saying a rosarena is worth the top whatever seven round pick five round pick wherever he's going to go next year despite those counting stats just because all of the numbers that we look at that add up to it just don't make any sense like it it, 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 it might be a blind spot and we're probably going to miss out on these guys but I don't know if it's a bad thing to miss out on these guys because I'd rather be a year too early and not get a Rosarena this year than be left holding the bag with him when these numbers do eventually catch up and he can't get past his with this with his raw athleticism and being in his age 27 season and being this good on the base path despite at times getting caught a lot um you know when the rays do give him a red light if he's you know 10 stolen bases 10 caught stealing right like Mm -hmm. i'd rather not be caught caught holding the bag despite this being a potential guy that i miss out on again and again and again like uh I think it's just too risky of a profile, and I don't know if this is a bad process. It's just a bad result. Yeah, I think it's fair, and especially when you look at the the names that will probably be going around him, I think you can live with 
avoiding an anomaly that you don't feel super jacked about after you draft him and you're you're looking at your roster. Devil's Advocate, he did lower the K rate from 28.1% to 20, 24.1%, which is obviously good. But his O-swing jumped up 6%, so it goes back to that kind of uh, bat speed to uh, basically counteract with questionable you know, swing decisions. So anyway, uh, Arozarena, that was one, and, and that was a miss. Uh, Steve, talk me through uh, your first fade here. Uh, Shane Bieber, this is technically a hit, but I am overruling this. This is a miss. Uh, <laughs> this is the opposite you know, of the yeah, Snell. You're going to yes, give me one. opposite okay. of the Snell. This is this is a miss. Bieber was pretty much great despite you know battling velocity losses and everyone being super concerned uh, early in the year, and rightfully so. I sort of was too. Uh, results weren't great, but he got better as the year got, went on. He... His velocity even ticked up a little bit. Didn't jump up to, you know, 2020 numbers when he was throwing 94 and winning the Cy Young. But mm-hmm. I think he adjusted. He started throwing 92 again rather than 90. And this is kind of the pitcher that he is, right? Uh, a strikeout per inning guy that is going to give you uh, an amazing whip and uh, a high twos, low threes ERA. And I think he is going to be a great discount back-end SP1 next year if people are still concerned about the, the fastball velocity. Like, his secondaries are that good. His control is that good. He's figured it out. He's he's pitched through it. And, and, and you know, who knows? Maybe a healthy offseason another year away from that shoulder injury in 2021. Maybe the velocity even ticks up and we get, a, you know, a 9.5K per 9 rather than the 9K per 9 that we got this year, right? Uh, mm-hmm. uh this was not a good fade by me, and honestly, it was probably a, a good buy low when everyone was freaking out about the velocity early in the year. Maybe there can be some sort of a a lesson learned there for the top end pitchers, like believing them in them to sort of figure it out. Um, I guess Giolito is sort of the the yes. cautionary tale of that, but you know, um, it, it, it's it's something to consider for sure. Yeah, uh, you took it right out of my mouth on the uh, uh, Giolito comp there. So, yeah, I think, uh, you know, Bieber, we just, like you said, you got to come to terms with the fact that he's kind of just a pitcher's pitcher, and there might be room for growth if he if he can pair some of the uh, Ks with the improved control. In, mm-hmm. in fairness to you, Steve, you, you mentioned as a, a key reason for the fade was that his – elite control was kind of going the wrong direction. Yeah, and it was back this year. Yeah. He got it back. Yeah, it was back to kind of early, like, age 24 Bieber at just 4.6% walk rate. So I think you'll take the trade off there. And, yeah, I think because of it, kind of the the sizzle metrics and the K rate and everything, we'll probably see a little bit of a, a discount on Bieber. And I still don't know if that's going to be – uh, too steep for him to kind of land in like the you know first four rounds uh, to to pick as an ace, but you know if if he falls much beyond that, I think it, it could be uh, something that I'm I'm not running away from because he he proved it this year and it looked different, but he's still getting the results, which um, I I think is 
kind of what Alex Fast's point was all through the offseason is that he finds a way mm-hmm. um, to get yeah, to get the that, results. That's the perfect that's the perfect way to sum it up. Yeah. You know, shout out to Alex there. That's a great call. All right. So my uh, second fade on this was uh, Mitch Hanniger, which by the numbers uh, was a hit. Uh, he was getting drafted 106, had to finish outside 127, missed a ton of time with an ankle injury, so only played about a third of the season. He did have 12 homers, which was, uh, I believe he homered tonight, uh, which was his 12th. So, yeah, I mean, what, what I was saying is the pop is real, but that, you know, basically 2021 was a career year with, I think it was like 39 homers and 120 runs in RBIs or something ridiculous. So even on pace, he would have finished a, a little bit outside of this. His average rank was 196. He did bet 246. So if the draft rooms completely fall asleep on Hanniger, I think that um, – you know, I, I don't dislike the player that much as it was just kind of the draft spot. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I really like this range of like 90 to 110. And, you know, Hanniger just felt very oatmeal-y and like you were kind of in a way paying for the prior season um, with, you know, really high like homer to fly ball rates and everything. So not a not a uh, fantastic call or anything. I mean, you can't take the victory lap for and why would you want to for missing time for injury? Um, but that was that was Hanniger's season. I mean, Steve, I, I think there could be a little bit of value here uh, if if everyone kind of forgets about him completely as a player. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. Like you don't want to pay for that thirty nine homer, hundred RBI, two fifty three season sort of pop up amazing year because um, you're paying, like you said, for it, not, right nothing against Hanniger. It's just. It's yeah. just the cost. You're paying the highest price for this player. Where next year, you're going to be paying basically nothing for this player that still did that 39 homer season and is still pretty good. So, like, you know, buy Mitch Hanniger in 2023, not in 2022. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right, back to you, Steve. Uh, this is another one that it, it's it's weird to me. Like, Salvador Perez, I was out on him as being drafted as this top 30 player. Uh, it goes to show that you only need to fall 35 for this to be a success rate. Uh, he finishes the 234th ranked player. There was a lot of injuries, but you know clearly was off that peak. And I think it's the same sort of thing as Hanniger. Like, don't pay for Salvador Perez's 48 homer season. Pay for his 23 homer season when he has just you know 114 games. Yeah. Right. Like, it's the exact sort of same analysis, and I think that something that we might have down here a little bit uh, is encouraging is to not pay for these sort of clearly amazing career outlier years. Um, I mean, Perez was still good, like, right? Like, 23 homers for McCatcher with the 757 OPS. Like, you know, it's not what for he sure. had in the shortened season, like, or, or, or even last year, but. I'm buying Salvador Perez as a 20 to 30 homer hitting catcher uh, with a high 700 to low 800 OPS, which is still really good. And there'll probably be a value on him next year, right? Because there's so many other catchers. You know, Real Muto had an amazing year. Adley Rutschman is now arguably going to go as this this top catcher, right? Um, You know, Will Smith is still great. So. There'll probably be a good amount of catchers uh, uh, drafted above Perez, 
Um, so now I think this year might be the, the perfect time to jump back in. Yeah, it, it, well said. And I, a question I would have is, do you feel like that's true strictly for, or, or most importantly for catchers, just because of the you know the the nature of the position, or do you think we need to be looking at the overall board next year? And I, I guess just like scrolling through, like you know, Dansby Swanson ranked 14th on five by five. Like yeah. that seems like a pop up year that like you got to fade that back a little bit. Yeah, probably, but, like, that's a tough one. Like, is Dansby Swanson now this top 50 player, top 40 fantasy player, or is he more in the middle? Like, right, I think that's where you have to sort of look in and dig into the numbers. Um, You know, Perez's underlying numbers are are, are really similar to what they were in in, in 2021 with, uh, you know, uh, as far as strikeout rate, uh, O swing, contact percentage, all within a few percentage points. So there's not really much uh, that 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 change there. Um, mm-hmm. So you know it's kind of is who he is, and you know probably uh, when healthy, somewhere well in between that that you know uh, that the, the two players that he was between the last years. Whereas Swanson, like you know. Uh, I, I don't have his numbers right in front of me, but you know there was there were some there were some there were some batted ball changes and started hitting the ball harder and and and, and improvement in, in in things like reach rate, I believe, and 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 it, it's basically the goal and what we want to do as fantasy players is identify okay, what do you need to say is going to come back back like this or what and what is a real change that this is who this player is now and that's probably the hardest thing that we have to do uh that i wish i had the answer for on a lot more guys than i do yeah and and, you know usually it'll be reflected to some extent in their their adp going into the season i mean yeah the market knows too yeah yeah i don't think swanson will necessarily be adp 14 overall but you know maybe somewhere between like pick 30 and 40 we'll see Mm -hmm. so uh my my next, I'll, I'll go ahead. I know we're running a little long. Uh, my next two, Steve, um, are were kind of paired together. It was D- DJ LeMahieu and Jake Cronenworth, mm-hmm. both kind of stuffing things, guys. You know, kind of glue pieces to your roster. Uh, LeMahieu was a fade. Uh, you know, I think I was most worried about just kind of the hollow batting average and what happened if he wasn't a three hundred hitter. Uh, this one was, I think, one of the better calls yeah. of the bunch that I had where, uh, you know, he ended up finishing 266 overall. Uh, he missed a little bit of time with injury and sat a handful of games, but uh, batted 261, uh, just 12 homers and four steals, which is kind of the fear for LeMahieu. And then, uh, you know, some good runs at 74, but just 46 RBI. Yeah, it, to me, this is... Uh, Again, at that ADP 120 range, this was around the area that, like, I don't know, like uh, maybe uh, Josh Bell, which looked good before the Padres and everything. But my point was, I, I don't know that I care that much about getting, like, a glue piece, especially one that it, it, it looks like you're just counting on one of the five categories to really be a standout. I guess runs as well, but... There's that one, and then Cronenworth was hilarious listening back uh, in hindsight because 
I had faded him a little bit. You and I were like circling around his exact stat line. What's <laughs> what's crazy? This is a miss to me because ADP one eighteen. He had to move back to one forty one. He's one twenty eight, and I kind of made my case and said, you know, if if he's just twenty homers and maybe six steals, you know, what what does that mean for him? And you're like, yeah, but I think that's just kind of like who he is. Like I think he's gonna end up right around this range, and sure enough, he did. Uh, what's crazy about Cronenworth is the average actually has come down from the 265 hitter we'd expect at 240. It's mainly been the counting stats at 88 runs, 88 RBIs. Uh, still has really solid plate discipline. Uh, the walks went up to 10.3%. The K rate went up, but just to 19%, which is certainly well above league average. So I think we kind of just learned that Cronenworth is more the same. I thought it might have been a little pricey at, at 118, but. You know, he's kind of done it in a way we didn't expect with just a 240 batting average. And then LeMahieu, I think, was a was a, a fair fade. But I don't know if you got anything to add yeah. on either one of those guys. Maybe don't pay as high a price for those sort of oatmeal-y, uh, you know, stuff and things sort of guys. You could probably get, uh, you know, similar type of production, at least off the wire. I know Cronenworth's counting stats were awesome this year like that's definitely what's holding up his value i did not realize he had 88 runs and 88 rbis which you know uh definitely is booing some of his value but still overall i think good process on 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 both of those guys yeah for sure and you know we want the we're we're not afraid of the oatmeal in like round no six seven and eight if it's you know a, a better bat but you know past pick 100 you start looking for catching lightning in a bottle yes yeah, because so. so, because you could churn and burn the, those spots more easily than you can uh a, a sixth round pick right for sure uh and then steve your your last two you could maybe pair these guys yeah I, I i could uh, i think jazz chisholm is definitely a a fail on my part and this is maybe the downside to the rosarena process of just yep. being so scared of that like you know, I probably won't have Jazz Chisholm if I stick 100% true to my word on what I was just saying about Rosarena and Adelise Garcia. But, you know, Chisholm looks absolutely insane with, with, with what he did in just his 60 games. A 16.6% battle rate, a 45.7% hard hit rate, uh, you know, improved this, the O swing by three percentage points. Um, contact rate went down a little bit, but still at 70% and just struck out uh, a, a little bit less this year. Uh, went down to 27% from 29% basically. Uh, bumped up his walk rate a little bit. So mm-hmm. while chipping in 14 homers and 12 stolen bases in 60 games, made those improvements. Uh, hit 254 um, with, uh, you know, uh, a, a 535 slugging percentage and a 140 Jeez. WRC plus. Like, who saw that coming? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, the the price was high. Like, and, and we said like the reason why we didn't like Jazz is because like he needs to be really good for where he's going. And for those 60 games, he was really good. So, uh, yeah, I'm he's kind of an overall. He's like an overall or best ball. You know what I mean? Like if 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 you need to take a league by storm, mm-hmm. like he could be in the biggest league, a league winner. But yeah, it's so much volatility at that price. Yeah, 
uh, I, I'm wondering uh, his his price next year will be so intriguing. He'll definitely be uh, a sexy pick, I think. Uh, in, in kind next, of a new Adalberto Mondesi, maybe like maybe, a, maybe. right around pick thirty or something. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I know it was a back injury and a shame that that happened, which is, is tough for a player that young and they can linger. I, I think he actually had surgery, which obviously that's scary, but hopefully that like fully resolves the issue. So um, I, I wonder, you know, if we start to get some of those uh, Acuna training videos, the, the hype train starts up for him again uh, and he sort of ends up uh, where he went uh, last year in drafts around that, you know, sixth, fifth round sort of, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Because is is he so is he slated to miss opening day then? I don't think so. Uh, I, I I think he had the surgery, uh, uh, and and should be okay for opening day. I, I'm also just talking out of my butt there a little bit. I, I don't know the exact report. Well, you yeah, go to your final one. I'll try he, to see he, if we can uh, find a, he a went time through. Table. He went. Uh, he underwent back surgery Friday the seven. Uh, uh, you know when this was reported on the seventeenth. Uh, to repair meniscus in his right knee. So uh, I, I guess the fact that he had this back injury, he underwent knee surgery um, and, and shut him down. So did not have surgery on the back. It was on his knee, um, which I think is better news. You know, torn meniscus isn't as bad as a torn ACL or anything like that. Um, and hopefully gets those two things right. Uh, for And so should be should be good to go for the start of next season. Um, my last one to pair together, Miles Straw. I mean, not much to say here. Fade, fade, fade. The 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 empty empty steel guys, like guys <laughs> that don't even have a hit tool and that are just stolen bases. Like Miles Straw at ADP one thirty nine. Like, come on, like we can't be can't be doing that. We need to learn to stay away from that. Uh, steals are not that that important. That you need to invest in just bad hitters like Straw. Yeah, it's a great fade. I think there is actually kind of a quite a bit of buzz on on straw as well. Uh, if I recall, there were some projection systems that really liked them. So yeah, yeah. No, so that uh, that rounds us out, um, Steve. With uh, just hats off, man. This was a great year for the chalkboard. I know you're you're yeah. you know taking it with some some humility and saying you got to improve on the. The bats, but I think uh, if people followed the Steve Jaswelli chalkboard, you'd be pretty happy with Cease McClanahan, McClanahan Quan uh, fading a few of those uh, top guys there. And then, yeah, my fades were, were all right there with like a, a three out of a four, but oof. Yeah. I'm for sure. excited for, uh, you know, new chalkboard <laughs> next season to be sure. Oh, yeah. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. It'll be a lot of fun. Uh, before we jump, though, Steve. Let's hear, uh, how about your ALCS and NLCS and then uh, World Series winners? All right. So for my ALCS, I have Yankees over Astros, finally getting over the, the big bad Astros. Uh, wow. Okay. In, in the AL. And then in the NL, I have Mets over Braves. So avenging that sweep and heading for a Subway Series. Whoa! Uh, yeah, had, had to do it. Had to do it, you know. Uh, Yankees-Mets over here. Uh, I think people have sort of cooled off that idea with the uh, Mets, quote-unquote, blowing the division. I know everyone wants to jump on them for LOL Mets, and it's disappointing that it didn't lead to a division win, how good they had this year. But the Braves have played, like, 
800 ball since like June. It's just absolutely insane what they've done. Uh, so I think there's a bit of a, a piling on and, you know, if DeGrom and Scherzer or uh, DeGrom and Scherzer to quote Mike Francesa here in New York, uh, they're going to be hard to beat uh, in, in any series, not even just a short series. So uh, I'll, 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 I'll stick with it and say that there will be a subway series this year. Very nice, very nice. Yeah, I, you know, I had to throw a couple upsets in here, so I did mm-hmm. throw in a, a major upset call with the Padres over the Mets, despite being the uh, the road team there. But, yeah, that, I mean, that's going to be probably the best opening round series. I think mm-hmm. that'll be amazing. I know Soto still is, is cold, but that's going to be box office. I, I got the... Astros over the Yankees, uh, just too much pitching for for a long series for me. Yeah, um, yeah. And then the Dodgers over the Braves, I was kind of waffling on that one. Um, but, yeah, I think, you know, Strider with the oblique, we'll see what's going on there. But that Dodgers lineup and just, yeah, I think, uh, I think we got a Astros over Dodgers series on uh, – Oh, Pretty nice. fiery World Series a, 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 as well. There. A, a, a rematch of uh, of, of 20, uh, 2019, yeah, was it? Was 2020? it? 2019? 2019, I think. Oh, no, 2018. 2018. Oh, uh, man. Was it? Was it? Uh, look at us. We're, we're lost here. Because 2020 was the Rays, Dod- Rays Dodgers. Oh, you're Dodgers right. You're right. You're right. Uh, yeah, so, so it was Dodgers, Astros. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah that's... Uh, so that we got some World Series picks. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be texting Steve plenty. Um, but, yeah, man, just keep an eye out on uh, Saturday night for that Cardinals-Phillies game because I'm going to be living it down there. Nice. Nice, man. Enjoy it. That's uh, nothing quite like playoff baseball. Uh, it's just a, a, a great a great atmosphere. And I'm uh, jealous that you're getting to go to that game. Uh, maybe I'll, uh, I'll, I'll head over to uh, – catch a Mets or Yankees playoff game uh, myself as well. Just, oh, there's yeah. nothing Let like playoff baseball. Yeah. Uh, it's something else. Phones phones are down unless they're recording or taking photos of the exactly. games. It's, it's special. Exactly. So, Thank you guys for tuning in. Uh, that is the chalkboard. Uh, a little bit on process from Little Piranha and some postseason chat, but uh, you guys can always message us and we'll be happy to throw a, a topic on the show. You can email us at or winsabovefantasy at gmail.com. On Twitter, at winsabovepod. I'm at van underscore verified, and Steve is at stav8818. Uh, give us a review if you guys are with us this late in the season on Apple, Spotify, wherever you guys listen. It would be greatly appreciated. Again, as a programming note, we will be taking next Thursday off and then be back the following Thursday uh, to get into the off season and talk about next year. So super excited. Thank you so much for listening to us all through the regular season. We absolutely love doing this and couldn't, wouldn't do it without you. Uh, but until next time, uh, on behalf of Mr. Steve Giswelli, resident pitcher expert, signing off for Wins Above Fantasy. Thanks again. Another great year, guys. Cannot wait to get into the offseason to start uh, getting ready for 2023. Been a blast. Thank you, guys. Cannot thank you enough for all the support and everyone writing in and all those things. It's... Uh, really makes it all worth it uh enjoy doing this every week with you van it's uh you know i know we say it a lot uh but you know feel like i made a lifelong friend through this and uh another great year so uh hats off and happy fantasy baseballing and enjoy the playoffs
Absolutely, man. Back at you. Year two in the books and uh, already looking forward to year three. Thanks, everybody. Cannot wait. Thanks, guys.